0: This is another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio, KOOP, Hornsby, Austin, 91.7 FM, and KOOP.org. I'm your host, Mark Rayshap, here to appreciate wines from all over the world, and to talk with Austin's leading wine professionals, from winemaker to sommelier and everyone in between. Now it's time to put another bottle down. Good afternoon, Austin. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a great show for you today. We're gonna be talking with Ron Yates from Spicewood Vineyards and Jennifer McGinnis from Bending Branch. They are part of the Texas Fine Wine Association, a group of wineries from Texas who uh, are striving to make the best Texas wines they have uh, they're covering almost all of the different grape varieties and they have a lot of stuff going on so i'm really looking forward to digging into their wineries what the group is doing as well as the 2018 texas harvest so we uh we're just starting to harvest grapes here in texas so a lot is on the line and we're gonna dig into all of that with ron yates and jennifer mcginnis so uh let's just bring them on in no wasting time here we've we've got an hour and uh, Ron and Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome to another Bottle Down again. Yeah,
1: thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Well, um, so we are, wow, it's harvest time, and it's a pretty early time to be harvesting grapes. Um, And we're going to get all into that, the complexities, how much is on the line. But I first want you all to to talk a little bit about the wineries that that you're with um, and uh, talk about what you do. And then we'll get into uh, Texas fine wine and and the harvest. Jennifer, you want to start us off about Bending Branch?
2: Sure. Well, I'm the general manager at Bending Branch Winery. We're in Comfort, Texas, which is about an hour uh, west of San Antonio, 20 minutes south of Fredericksburg. And uh, we've got 56 acres there. We work with 10 vineyards throughout the state uh, that we source fruit from, three in the Hill Country and seven up in the Texas High Plains.
0: Yeah. So, so is that a, a large winery? You know, I'd like to put this into perspective as well with the, the, the overall kind of context of, of, of wine. Um, how, how would you consider, consider that? Is it more boutique or? Yeah, Yeah,
2: I would say we're still in the boutique category. We're about 12,000, 15,000 cases production annually.
0: Yeah. And then some of the, the grapes that you are known for, and we're going to be threading this in throughout the conversation.
2: Uh, we're most known for Tanat. It's a big, bold red yeah. and uh, other, Upcoming grapes, so we're working with Suchau, which is a Portuguese grape. Uh, Great because it bud breaks about two weeks later than everything else, which is important here in Texas. Uh, Peak Poul Blanc, it's a white wine that's got really high acidity. Um, but we also uh, work with Mavédra, Tempranillo. We make an amazing Cabernet Sauvignon. Wow! Um, and some new grapes, Sagrantino, that's coming up. Something that we're just starting to work with.
0: Right, and we're gonna we're gonna hear about a lot of the up and coming grapes. Uh, Sagrantino is really much, you know for listeners of this show, I've talked a lot about sagrantino and we'll talk about it more this hour uh ron what uh you know your family has a a winery out in spicewood
1: right yeah my mother my sister and my father and i uh bought spicewood from the Manigolds golds about 11 years ago back in 07 uh, and uh, we also just opened a new winery in uh, High, between Johnson City and Fredericksburg, cleverly named Ron Yates. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, but uh, we the brainstorming sp- on that yeah, was uh, was intense, right? It's, it's 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 really we're not that creative apparently. <laughs> uh, but uh, at Spicewood, we concentrate on uh, growing a lot of our own stuff. We have about 32 acres of fruit out there. Yeah. Uh, I had the good fortune of spending some time in Spain in college and fell in love with Tempranillo, and so Tempranillo is kind of our driver at both places. Actually but uh, at Spicewood we also do a Sauvignon Blanc that we 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 love that we grow right there on site Uh, but at the new winery we've been tending to a little bit of some new varietals for us like some Sangiovese some Barbera, some kind of some some fun Italian stuff.
0: So for you, Spicewood Vineyards is kind of all about the estate, all mm-hmm. about that concept of of growing the grapes on the land, and you've got the winery right there. And uh, and for Ron Yates, it gives you a little bit of opportunity to
1: get fruit from all over, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, we're we're hoping, fingers crossed, by the 2020 harvest that uh, Spicewood will be pretty close to estate, at least when you. Show up there, you know, five of the six wines you try that day will be grown right there on site. But, you know, it's Texas and Mother Nature, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, we're, we're really close. Right, right. I've, I've, I've been working on it for 11 years, and I'm excited. Uh, and Yates, yeah, that's the cool thing. We're, we're, we've got some grapes coming in from Fort Davis. We've got stuff from West Texas. We've got stuff from the Hill Country. So we have, we get to kind of play around with a bunch of different vineyards and a different bunch of different ABAs and, and yeah, have fun.
0: And, and we're going to be talking about that. Um, and, and also, you know, we're going to be talking about as well, the, the difficulty of growing grapes. I mean, um, Texas is a great region for growing premium wine grapes, right? But there are some challenges. And, and when you talk about that, uh, you know, it's hard to be a hundred percent a state. Is that just because that one year you might need to, you know, you don't get as healthy of a or as big of a crop and then you need to supplant it with other things. Sure for,
1: for a number of reasons uh, you know we had we had an incredible harvest last year and it and it you know one for the record books that we'll probably be chasing for a long time in 2017. Uh, in terms of just in terms of quality, quality. And, and, uh, and quantity we had great quantity and great quality. I mean for us it's the best so far the best we've ever had. Uh, and, and we're 2018 was, is a little bit smaller berries, a little bit smaller crop, but I think the, uh, the quality is, is right on par, uh, especially the red wines, the berries, the, the skin to juice ratio is going to be incredible this year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: we'll, we'll, um, we'll kind of talk about that and the action around harvest. I do want to mention, uh, some of the other wineries in the Texas fine wine group. And, um, so we also have Brennan vineyards out in, uh, Comanche, do um, what, what? What? What do they do? That's kind of notable for you. I think that uh, there's. I think that the group is is really well thought out because each winery almost has a different focus. And of course, it's it's Texas wine, but but there's some specialties that that other you know the wineries are kind of not pigeonholing themselves, but they're they're um, you know doing really well. I almost think of uh, you know um, Brennan as doing really interesting Viognier and, and and that side. Do you do you agree with that? Oh yeah, yeah. Certainly.
2: yeah. they make a great Viognier. Uh, the rosé, which I believe is Maved is that right? The, yeah, the rosé and Mavedra, and then they also make a Nero, uh, the Super Nero. Yeah. Oh yeah, They're the Nero d'Avola is really
1: good. Yeah, and they have they, they have They're, two or three killer Tempranillos as well, and they actually make a really nice Cab as well. Right, and, right, right, and they grow. They have a good a good sized vineyard there on site. I can't remember the exact acreage, but but Pat's a farmer also. Comanche, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you
0: guys, you know, talking about other wineries is always kind of difficult, right? But um, you guys are doing a great job. The Dukeman is also in the group. They, um, they, they do a really wonderful uh, job with uh, some of the Italian varieties. Maybe considered one of the pioneers of Montepulciano in the state. Is that true? Is that correct?
1: Well, I, I still, th- I think. I mean, I'm, the numbers might prove me wrong. But as far as as what you, wines you see out in, in distribution, I think that the Vermentino that Dukeman makes is everywhere, and it, for for good reason. That's we make a Vermentino because. Of how good Dave made that wine. Right. From there, I love it, and so that's that's one of their flagship wines. And they make a killer multiple Ciano. Uh actually, actually, doing some really cool things with the Allianico grape as well.
0: Yeah, so almost like the, this Southern Italian mm-hmm. uh, uh, vibe that they have going on there. Yeah. And yeah, um, really cool stuff. Yeah, and their tasting room out in, in Driftwood, where we'll be talking about that. Um, and Perdinalis Cellars in Stonewall—they um, they also
1: do Tempranillo,
0: Viognier, and um, yeah,
1: they do. they one of the best Viogniers the state's ever made. I think they won Grand Gold. They in the Grand Gold and, in Leon. Uh, and Leon five or six or seven years ago now, however long it's been. So <laughs> they're they're doing it better than the French folks were doing it that year. But uh, they yeah, they're they're they have great Tempranillos. So that's kind of my love, and I've always been a little jealous. They seem to get. They had the vineyard out, out a few years before me, and they got Tempranillo out a few years before I did, but they make really good stuff, something to look up to. Well,
0: cool. Um, Texas, uh, TexasFineWine.com for more information there, and it links to all of the, um, all of the, the websites. And, and what are your websites, if folks want to follow along? Jennifer?
2: Uh, we're BendingBranchWinery.com.
0: Great. And spice- uh,
1: SpicewoodVineyards.com
0: and Ron Yates Wines. And Ron Yates wines. Okay, great. Well, um, thank you guys for being here. And we're, you know, I want to kind of paint the picture of harvest what what is going on this time of year for people who are just out in the hot, blazing hot austin weather um <laughs> you know and trying to just be inside uh you you all are out in in, in the vineyards and yeah. harvesting grapes what a uh, you know what is the craziness paint the picture around your well, winery
2: i think that ron can probably speak to the craziness personally today <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh, we uh, started picking some viognier grapes out at jim johnson's place at teo Pancho ranch Vin- in Bend, Texas last night and picked from about 10 to, to about 5 and pulled off about 3, 3.5 tons and
0: 10 to 5 in the yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah.
1: 10 p.m. To, to 5 a.m. 5 a.m. And it, it was it was only about 81 degrees last night when we started, and it didn't get much cooler. Than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh,
0: and then you know sleep for a few hours, and then pop over to Co-op Radio. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. drove the go. drove
1: the we drove <laughs> the fruit to the vin- to the winery, and got a couple hours sleep. And so when
0: when was the first? I mean, we're we're really on the early side of things, yeah. right? What was yeah, when yeah. was yeah. the first? I mean, I saw Facebook postings kind of maybe three four. Days ago,
1: I, Probably, I yeah, think this last
0: weekend.
2: Yeah, last weekend, and and down in the the coastal area and and. Um farther closer to Houston some of those people started Gulf harvesting Coast, yeah, Gulf they've, Coast they've, they about yeah 10 days that. ago 14 days ago maybe but um yeah. will bending branch will be getting uh, our first uh, to knock grapes from the hill country just about 10 miles from our place this Saturday and the Malbec as well
0: okay and so can you explain why grapes are coming in at different times I think that that might be surprising to to uh, to folks because we, we we can be harvesting grapes in early July and then as and then uh, the high plains might be harvested oh, sure. up until when? September, October, even. Oh, yeah. October, right. for sure.
2: So the grapes all bud, break, and develop at different times depending on the variety. Uh, they don't all break at once. Um, and then, of course, in the hotter areas, they tend to, to ripen faster. So we start harvesting here in the hill country uh, mid-July, and uh, especially the whites. And um, but So it's really interesting that we actually are pulling off reds. That's a, a little early. It just got so, so hot so fast this year. Um, But then the high plains really kind of kicks into gear about three to four weeks after that, about a month later, and then uh, again with the whites, and then harvests, you know, sometimes into mid October, depending on the year. I don't foresee that happening this year, just because of the heat. But we'll see. Yeah. So, so
0: so, you know, that's that's uh, those two things: the 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 climate as well as the grape variety, right? Right. And do you pick certain? uh, Do do you grow certain grapes? because they are harv- you know they're harvested earlier or later or oh, for sure oh
1: yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we grow it's uh, one of my favorite grapes we grow is graciano it's a spanish varietal and it buds usually two weeks later than everything else, and it's still finishing up verasion right now. And while you know, we're picking white wine grapes, and most of the reds are finishing up, and it's still got a couple days three, four days left to go. Yeah, we love it for that. It gets longer hang time, less worry about uh, late freezes in the spring, right? So, that's a
0: huge issue a huge here. Issue, and and in fact,
1: uh, around in Europe, those when,
0: when spring frosts are an issue, they almost grow grapes there that you know, or, or the grapes that were earlier budding didn't didn't make it, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. that was kind of that natural selection. Uh, we have to be a little bit smarter about it right? Sure. that's
1: true. we have to do all kinds of things we have you know windmills to, to, to infuse to change the temperature from the the, the warmer layers and light fires and when we drove you know drive around with hay bales on fire driving through the for the tractor you know anything you can do to keep the keep the vines from <laughs> was that from an below. issue this year did you have to do any no, of that this year we got really lucky this yeah. year we didn't even get close yeah you know, I think I think maybe one day in March it was down to like 36 I, uh, there was a couple days in the high point. Planes where there yeah. were some really scary nights but all the machinery all the stuff they've it employed kind of worked, is, right? yeah yeah and then had, they've actually, we were talking about this uh, the other day, there's a lot of guys have installed some, some hail nets yeah. up there as well. So there's, we're doing all kinds of things we can do to, to yeah, mi- right. mitigate mother nature.
0: And, and then the, the whole concept of, of harvesting at night, I, I think that that's, um, you know, it might, it might be, uh, more gentle on the workers, right? Is, is, is that, <laughs> it's certainly. a little bit cooler, right? It's a lot,
1: well, it's a lot easier a to get, yeah, it's a lot easier to get somebody to work at, uh, and picking grapes. It's not easy to pick grapes and much less do it at 102 degrees. Uh, You know, notwithstanding all the uh, the benefits from picking grapes at night when they're not conducting photosynthesis.
2: Well, and I think another point is a lot of the Hill Country vineyards are harvested by hand, whereas, you know, the High Plains have really, for the most part, they're large vineyards and they're they're laid out to be mechanized and machine harvested. So if you're near a Texas Hill Country winery, go volunteer to pick some grapes. Yeah, so, please, so a lot of them we... rely on on volunteers,
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. right? And so are you able to get volunteers to, to pick between ten and five AM?
1: Uh, <laughs> it just depends. You know, it's a lot easier on on a Friday and Saturday nights than it is, but sometimes the the grapes come call on different days then so we just we scramble and it's a it's, a, it's a, a feat every year how are you guys
0: seeing you know you may, Jennifer you bring up a good point about uh, mechanization and machine harvesting are you seeing um, that that there's a real big push to to do that uh, because you almost can't take a, a normal vineyard and then machine harvest it. You have to plant, as you said, right. for that purpose. Uh, yeah. Can can you dig us into what what people are talking about? The machine harvest versus hand picked is you know I think hand picked is like you know very picturesque and um, but but our producer there's definite advantages to machine harvest. Oh too. for
2: sure. Well especially when you're depending on volunteers, they all yeah. think it's great great fun to come pick grapes and it is for about the first hour right. and then <laughs> it goes all night all day uh, I know of at least two vineyards in the high plains that invested in uh, much larger uh, harvesters this year with optical sorters and um, and just you know in terms of the volume and size of those vineyards which are hundred to you know several hundreds of acres of vineyards um, it, it's it goes a lot faster to machine harvest and obviously having an optical sorter the grapes come in uh, already cleaned up so that means they've been picked to and then sorted through you know any mog material other than grape, which is any leaves, stems, petioles, those kinds of things. So the fruit should be coming in a lot cleaner this year.
0: Yeah, you almost just want the pure berries, yeah. right? Is yeah. that is that? And do you see that some, you know, do you see that when you have a volunteer crew, then more kind of less than adequate stuff might get through, or do you then sort through you it sort later? It, yeah, you sort you,
1: sort. you have a sorting table, and you put all the grapes, and either you have a conveyor belt that they come through, or you just grab the baskets and start digging through mm. them and tossing out. Uh, clusters that don't make the cut but uh, I think you have a a hard time with all the elevation change in the hill country there's just not a lot of places that you can run a mechanical harvester in the first place it's hard to plant straight up and down rows that are flat enough for that to come through Uh, and we've always preferred the hand harvest just because the berries tend to come in a little more intact less broken and popped and you know it's cleaner fruit but we've been we, we've been really impressed with some of the the farmers up in West Texas that have some of the newer machines like like uh, Jennifer was talking about they it's you know you always want the romantic perfect fruit but sometimes when it can come in at you know an hour instead of five hours and the fruit <laughs> looks almost as good right yeah and and we've 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 uh, we actually did uh, some trials last year with some some wines that were uh we we did not on purpose we were hand harvesting some fruit and we just couldn't get it done in time the day came so the farmer ended up uh uh uh, mechanically harvesting the rest of it so we got to a little compare and contrast and there wasn't a, the, wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of difference yeah.
0: right Now there are some wine regions and some, some um, w- you know, particular wineries that actually prefer to have uh, the stems included and all of that. are, are you guys seeing any of that uh, or it's just the, the, something about the climate and the grapes that grow here um, you know as an example, Pinot Noir is a big one for uh, putting the stems in with the fermentations but uh, we don't have Pinot Noir here right Yeah, yeah. not
2: at all
1: really.
0: Lot. <laughs> but but so you see that that sure. almost all of the great varieties that do well here, it's best to distem them, Sure, just get the
1: berries, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, where yeah. A, it, it, you may do some whole cluster pressing with some whites where, yeah. you're, where you're not distemming and you're just pressing straight from the cluster but you, you you usually don't try to rock the press so hard that it's squeezing out any of the green or bitter flavors from the from the stems. Yeah,
0: so, so when it's a white, it, the, the grapes come off the vineyard and then they go right into the press, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and so that way you get just pure juice and since it doesn't have uh, the contact with the stems then you don't get those bitter green flavors, right? Right. right. Well guys, hey, if you're just tuning in, uh, this is another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio. We're talking with Jennifer McGuinness from uh, Bending Branch and Ron Yates from Spicewood Vineyards. Uh, We're going to take a short break and uh, be right back uh, talking more about wine and the 2018 harvest. So stay tuned. All right, we're back. This is Co-op Radio, radio for people and not for profit. Thank you so much for tuning in and, and supporting the station. We've got. So much going on uh, with this wonderful radio station, so many dynamic volunteers, and uh, and a lot of events that are going on around town um, at the Alamo, which we're going to hear from in a second, and, uh, and all of our DJ nights. So uh, check out all of the info at coop.org. And, uh, and you can check out all of the previous episodes of this podcast, uh, this radio show, and then I podcast it on Apple Podcasts, another Bottle Down Radio. You can actually hear extended conversations with both of my guests today, Jennifer McInnes uh, and uh, and Ron Yates were, have been on the show before, so uh, another Bottle Down Radio. Um, well, guys, so, so you know, we mentioned kicking off the harvest. Can we break down a little bit more? We, we talked about harvesting at night or machine harvest, then sorting through the grapes, making sure only the best stuff. Uh, can you walk us through the winemaking process and uh, a little bit further? I mean, we, once you have the grapes, you start fermentation, right? And so many different things can happen during fermentations. Um, what, do, what do you guys do? I guess let's start with whites. Of course, we, we press them right away, as we mentioned. We have, you know, white grape must or juice, and then it starts to ferment. Uh, what are the ins and outs of that?
2: Well, uh, it depends on uh, if it's going to be stainless steel fermented. So uh, we'll press off the juice and it'll go into a tank to be either way. It's going to be cold, settled and stabilized. Um uh before fermentation starts and then um some of our whites in the past like our viognier uh, and roussan we have done uh, some barrel fermentation do the fermentation actually in the barrels
0: right so th- so those grapes actually do really well uh with the the flavor coming from the oak and maybe a little bit more oxygen right yes. so if, if you're deciding to put a barrel in oak those are maybe two of the reasons right right and roussan and viognier are, are, are i love those two grapes it here just in gives texas us
2: a, that extra big round mouthfeel you know that comes
0: through. Yeah, I always think of Roussan as being for for folks who enjoy Chardonnay. You know, like the California Chardonnays, those big robust styles. We can't do Chardonnay here, really. Although some people might argue with me. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Roussan fills that that void, right? That or that that uh, you know that style of being big and robust.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So so at the winery, do you do just um, do you do those uh, Viognier Roussan? Uh, do you do uh, other whites you, as Pic well? Peau
2: Blanche Peau Blanc is, is, is Blanc. a traditional we do that stainless steel fermentation um yeah
0: yeah. right Uh, ron do you have um you know your ins and outs with the the white wines that you do
1: yeah we uh with with Sauvignon Blancs we pretty much we'll press everything a whole cluster press everything off right when it gets in we'll chill it chill it down and and go nice and slow in the fermentation and stainless uh last year for i guess actually with the 2016 fruit t- two years ago uh with the fruit we picked last night the viognier uh i walked into the winery and todd had the winemaker had the the viognier and half brand new oak barrels and we now like, what are we what are we doing and it, it turned out it turned out spectacular and and i'm not a, a traditionally i'm much more of a clean crisp white stainless steel white wine guy but it's it's been great so we're doing that again we did it in 17 and we're so we've really kind of you know, a little counterintuitive or contrarian to the way white wine's being made traditionally right now, uh, but yeah, we do a lot of the same thing: whole cluster press, uh, stainless steel with most everything else, other than that Viognier, and when the Viognier gets about 15 months in oak. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then those two white Sauvignon Blanc, Viognier. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, we,
1: we don't really do any Roussanne. We do. Uh, we do some Albarino from time to time. Uh, one of my favorite grapes. Uh, we also grow uh, a little bit of Muscat on the property, which, which we're, I've been trying to, to been wanting to make a really nice, clean, dry Muscat, but we've just haven't had the year to do it yet, and so I think this is the year we're going to pull it off. Okay,
0: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rooting for you because yeah. I, you know I love dry Muscat. Yeah. There, there's excellent examples mm-hmm. from Sicily or from the southern part of Spain right sure sure um, very cool so then on the reds you know there's a big difference where you want to ferment on the skins right and so so um, you know since you have reds uh, harvested already uh, you you have fermentations going. oh no on, we right? don't have no reds just no reds yeah, yet. just white
1: okay. so far yeah um, but with reds uh, what we'd like to do a lot of times is cold soak uh, we've been you know our, Todd our winemaker loves to get in a tank chill it down get it nice and we we've really seen a difference in the fruit on the front end of the palate and the juiciness in the wine when you can get it nice and cold so we'll you know usually uh usually two or three days cold soak and the, and the guys last year played around without telling me of course played around with a bunch of native yeast fermentation <laughs> and afterwards i was like this is really different like oh yeah we did native yeast on that one how do you, what do you think I'm like wow oh, well thanks for asking me if i had any cares about that but they killed it and they made it they made it great so it's been it's been fun we like to yeah. have a lot of fun when they're in there.
0: Good thing they they nailed it because yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. because that's yeah. A, that's a dangerous proposition. Well, if, they uh, <laughs> did, they did. I mean,
1: it, you know, it they weren't any grand wouldn't have been grand failures if if they hadn't been perfect, but they were. I was excited. Right, yeah. right. And then
0: those, um, you know, and then then fermentation, and and then do you, most of your red sea
1: uh, oak barrel sure, as well. Sure, sure. Yeah, we do. Uh, kind of on average about 12 months for, for some of the lesser oak stuff. And you know, some of the high plains Tempranillos will do in 25% uh, American oak and the rest neutral most of our higher end stuff or the, the stuff we would take a little more time with is like 35 40 45 percent new French oak.
0: and what, what's the concept there do does it, it just you know I think for for people in the wine industry it almost might be obvious but um you know is, is it better longer time better or you really have to match it up
2: I
1: mean it's you know that's it's all kind of what you're looking to make you know really? we yeah uh, I, we've we have with the benefit of of having uh, numerous harvests in a row without a freeze or the past few years we've actually been able to barrel age things a little bit longer for and not have to pull it out for economic reasons and i've been happier with the the you know we've we were just tasting that good guy that had 25 months in oak and and the it it, you know we're really starting to find our sweet spot where we like and it, it 12 12 months for kind of the kind of the reds that we're putting out a little quicker but generally 14 15 to 20 months is kind of what we're what we've been sitting at recently. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just finding
0: the right formula for your grapes. And, and it, that takes time, mm-hmm. right? A lot of
1: time, a lot of trial and error, a lot of wine to try and That's you know, a lot
2: of stuff to drink. <laughs> see, see how it turned
0: out.
1: <laughs> Jennifer
0: at Bending at Branch, do you, uh, you know, you make big red wines too, right? I
2: do make big red wines with uh, grapes that are, are big, have a lot of tannin. Um, so uh, our Tanat, Souchao, Tempranillo, Cabernet. Uh, Sagrantino, we do, a majority of our grapes uh, come in, they get distemmed, and they go into the half-ton fermenters, and uh, it's all very hands-on, hand punch three times a day, um, very, very hands-on. Uh, a <laughs> lot of labor <laughs> right. involved. Um, but we also have a, a, a plan at the beginning of harvest where we, we do a couple of other interesting fermentation techniques. Uh, we send some of our grapes to the industrial freezer. It's called cryomaceration. So um, the grapes will come in. They'll get distemmed. They go back in the bins, get wrapped and taken up to a freezer where they, they freeze. That, that slow freeze really starts to break down the cellular structure inside of the grape and open up those vacuoles where the color and uh, flavor molecules are trapped and so we get a lot more fruit forward flavors we bring those out thaw them out and they do fermentation as we typically would and then of course our other process is we've got the flash detente where total opposite um, we're actually heating up the grapes and uh, getting 100% extraction.
0: Right and, and so those will that will happen right explain that a little bit more so that's about to happen right now as uh, coming into harvest right or, yeah. or do those grapes come in later in the season?
2: Um, it, it kind of depends the Tanat the and the Malbec that are coming in uh, I believe the Tanat is going to be regular fermentation so that'll, that'll go into the Bins and fermentation will last about two weeks. Um, You pitch the yeast and the nutrients and do your punch downs twice a day, and it takes about two weeks for the sugar to convert to alcohol. Um, but the, the Malbec, I believe we're going to do cryo maceration on, so that'll go up to the freezer for, uh, ho- probably a couple of weeks and hopefully we'll have a little gap in between when we get grapes, so we can bring it out and do it during harvest. Uh, but sometimes it happens, um, toward the end of the year, it gives us some flexibility depending on how many tons of grapes we have coming in. <laughs>
0: right. And what, what, I mean, this year, are we thinking that a lot of things are, you know, speeding up, right? Because so, so are grapes, are you at all worried or planning for things to become ripe all at the same time um that which can be really complicated with tanks yeah. and whatnot right usually about sure.
2: that third week of august is when it's like no more grapes yeah. <laughs>
1: well the, the slight benefit of, of you know to, to find a bright spot is that, that you hopefully will have all your hill country stuff you know even done in tank and in barrel by the time the high plane so it opens hopefully you'll have more tank space so yeah. that is one benefit when you pick a little earlier and you have maybe have a week or two between the high, the hill country harvest and the high plane harvest to get a night's sleep or <laughs> maybe eat a meal <laughs> or something yeah because it is it is just a full you know you're harvesting at night but then you're
0: doing punch downs you're working in the winery uh the entire time right
2: yeah you're managing fermentations you're taking we pull samples on every single one of those bins every day and monitor you know where's their alcohol and their acidity and their sugar and uh, what's the temperature how fast or slow is fermentation going if it gets too hot do we need to take it up to the cold room and cool it down it's a it's a lot of, it's Tetris. Yeah, right.
0: Te- Tetris and just kind of like playing uh, a yeah, shuffle and, and, and also just trying to be on point, right? You know, making sure that nothing smells off and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, let's take, an, let's take another break. Uh, we're here with Ron Yates, from, Ron Yates from Spicewood and Ron Yates Winery and Jennifer McGinnis from Bending Branch. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Co-op Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. And we're back. This is another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio. My name is Mark Raishap, and we're here speaking with Jennifer McGinnis from Bending Branch and uh, Ron Yates from Spicewood Vineyards and Ron Yates Wines. Um, we're celebrating the 2018 harvest, so we're, we're just kicking it off. It, it, it kicked off about a, a couple days ago to last weekend, and, uh, and it will go for uh, the next couple months. Uh, we, we in the first half of the show we we touched on some of the, the grape varieties that, that the wineries that these folks are are uh, owning representing are um, coming in and and uh, I'd like to develop a little bit harvest is such a time of renewal you know if if we get a little bit um, metaphoric here the the uh, which I always love in wine uh, it, it's a time of renewal right and and it's a time of just so much excitement. Um, because you're starting to see the work of the entire year, and you're starting to see some of the newer grapes that, uh, each year, they might be getting better and better and better, right? Um, And in Texas, we've had to do a lot of experimenting. Um, You know, Texas is not known for the classic Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Cab, and Merlot, those, those classic grape varieties that everybody knows. We've had to do a lot of experimentation for the climate, And uh, and and harvest time is the time that we get to see how those grapes are doing, right? Um, Can we talk about some of the your most exciting uh, grapes that that you've seen do well in vineyards, makes exceptional wines? We've touched on a few, but maybe we'll talk about them in more depth, Jennifer. But I mean, you've you know the winery has how made Tanat for how long? Since Uh, the beginning. Since the beginning. 2008. 2008. And, and um, there's a growing number of producers that are getting to knot uh, as a red grape. Right, right? that are
2: growing to knot and making to knot. I can think of at least a dozen. Uh, and it's a grape that does really well here because it has thick skins, so it can stand up to the heat here in Texas. Um, And it's got a lot of flavor and tannin. So adding body and structure to red wines, which was lacking for a long time here in Texas. Yeah,
0: right. The wines were almost known to be a little bit lighter in color, not as much flavor. And so when you deal with a grape variety that has so much structure and flavor, boom, right?
2: Right. And for that reason, uh, we age it in barrels for about 24 months because it's got such high tannin. It really needs that time in the barrel to kind of uh, become cohesive and smooth it out and make it approachable yeah and so the really exciting thing is now we're you know we working with texas to not from the high plains for a long time but now we're to the point where we're going to have some vineyard designated to knots uh from the texas hill country and the texas high plains uh, some coming from mason county and and uh, up in plains texas
0: yeah, and Ron, did you say that you're getting Tanat for uh, yeah the, the first time our, this year too? Our first
1: time we have uh, some neighbors that uh, acquired a piece of property that has a Tanat vineyard on it, and they asked us to farm it, and we decided we'd go ahead and try it and show show uh, Bending Branch how you can actually make Tanat. Really, <laughs> really? No, we we, we, uh, we we've we've not worked with it before, but. Uh, Everybody, you know, obviously, the uh, been Bob and, and his family kind of the first ones to do it. And we've kind of watched as as everybody's kind of seen it and started taking on taking notice. And I bet there's way more than 12 people, yeah, that are, I would, that are making Tanad. I'm sure the number's more up like a hundred. Uh, but it's it's making really a hundred, a hundred wineries so. I mean, making Tanad in Texas. I, mean, I, I bet it's maybe not that high, maybe I'm, but i it's everybody's there's, planting it and it's it's everywhere. And it's it's it starting, you know, between. For me, the three grapes I see when I go out there are out are in the, t- the tasting rooms are Tempranillo, Morvedra, and Tanat. Those are the three grapes that, that I continually see. Maybe it's just the tasting rooms that I go to. but right. <laughs> but uh, the, that, And that's to me, that's if I, I was to be, to be pulled, I'd probably say those were the three uh, most popular red grapes. But I mean, there's all kinds of like we were talking with the Sagrantino and Alianico and all kinds of. Yeah. And Graciano and all kinds of other warm climate grapes that just haven't have had as much time and experimentation with it.
2: Or, yeah, I mean, some of them we planted, we've just gotten harvested for the first time, you know, two years ago. And so those are still in barrel. We're just starting to release some of those grapes. Um,
0: So what would be an example of that that you you haven't released yet, but you have in barrel and you're excited about
2: it? Uh, Sagrantino Sagrantino. from here in Texas. We harvested for the first time last year. Again, really intense uh, flavors, lots of tannin, um, bracing, racing tannin.
0: And and so that's a thing. So Sagrantino, for folks, you know, who, who, who have not heard of this grape, It's a pretty obscure grape from Umbria, grown in the Montefalco little village there. And Sagrantino di Montefalco is one of the biggest, boldest wines of all of Italy. And so, you know, it makes sense that it holds its acidity and has structure here in the hot climate of Texas. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we've got some, some Carignan coming online for the first time this year. We should have our first... First harvest won't be massive, but it'll be there. So I've been trying to preach the uh,
0: glories of Carignan oh. for, for, for so long. Uh, I, I should say that I'm a huge fan of, of Morved and, and Sagrantino and Tanat. Uh, Carignan is is a grape that uh, is planted throughout the south of France, and then it, it was planted very wildly and, and predominantly out in California, but the thing is, is with carignan, you can make pretty boring, uh, insipid carignan. But then, if you grow it with small yields, you can get tremendous tr- structure. And t- so, that, is that what you're seeing? Yeah, I
1: mean, we've we've already in in the third the third year, we, we've seen huge clusters. And, you know, we're thinking little. I mean, it's not you know if you're not getting four tons an acre right now, but just from what should be very small amounts of fruit big heavy clusters and so we we i'm excited about Carignan. i think if you can control the the vigor and the crop load you can make really really killer wine yeah and um you know, and, and so
0: I'm really excited about that because I, I think I've tasted only a handful of Carignans from mm-hmm. Texas, but I, I hope to see more. Um, we've mentioned Morved, and I, I, I'm sure that it, for folks who've listened to this show, uh, I've talked pretty extensively about Morved, but I think we're still discovering Morved. It, it really only started to be planted here about 10 years ago. And so how do you see Morved evolving? It's, it's a grape that I have tremendously on my sites as well.
2: Uh, it does really well here, and I think most people probably may not realize that they've had it before. Is because for in the beginning, I think it was made a lot as a rosé. Um, and we, Bending Ranch makes it into a, a 100% red, dry style, but you see it also blended uh, as a GSM. I think Peternalis has a, their GSM. Um, it's a, I, I don't, I think it's been around long enough that we can no longer call it an up and coming grape in Texas, but it's, uh, it's pretty well established here. And uh, it gives really beautiful herbaceous notes, uh, characteristics, at least the red that we get from the High Plains.
1: Yeah, And yeah, we make it as a standalone varietal too, I but I, I love it as a blender.
0: But do you still have, I mean, I, I agree that we kind of can't call it an up and comer, but I bet you still get folks at the tasting rooms, you, you know, you both have tasting rooms mm. yes. that have never, have never tasted it before or has sure. or, or sure. is, is oh, the public sure. really embraced it?
1: think you're starting to see them in bracelet I, I would say that tempranillo people come in and say oh great they have tempranillo right, which right. Yeah. 10 years ago that didn't happen right yeah. and i would say more more vedras is farther along than some of the other grapes but i wouldn't say it's quite as is quite as as popular as tempranillo is but i mean i
2: think it's up there yeah. i think people are still trying to figure out how to say it yeah too. We that's have the a, fun thing ours is a vineyard designate so people always refer to it as the name of the vineyard instead of calling <laughs> it. <him. laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting.
0: Well, you know, you do see some people who I, I've seen some people write Mataro, which is an allowed a synonym. Uh, it's a little bit easier to pronounce, right? But like Monastrell, Monastrell. Monastrell as well. and Monastrell, yeah. yeah, Monastrell and Mataro. Um, Mataro is what they typically call it in Australia, Monastrell in Spain, and Morved in uh, in, in in France. What other um, do you f- still find that folks want Cab and Merlot when they, they come to the wineries on the Reds or or are they like, really embracing all of this new wave of of Texas grapes?
1: I think you see two different people. I think you see yeah. people that are totally embraced with what everything we're doing and they're willing to try whatever we're making. And I think you also see the consumer that's very I want Cab and I want I, you know Merlot is not one you we hear we much. You, I either. would I would you know every once in a while somebody will ask for Merlot, but. I'll take your cab. We should much. say
0: though that there's tremendous cab and Merlot oh, yeah. here in Texas, but uh, you know, in 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 lesser quality, in lesser, quantities, in lesser right? quantities, right? I mean, yes. how much how much uh, cab do you make, uh, Jennifer? Uh,
2: we get cab from Neil Newsom Newsom Vineyards up in the High Plains, and we make about. Three hundred cases of it compared small, to your yeah. fifteen thousand oh, overall production. To, yeah, yeah, small, very small.
0: Right. What on the whites? What do? You, what are you? Uh, did we kind of tackle the the reds, the the up and coming reds, or the? Um,
2: I would t- I would add Souchard, which we kind of mentioned earlier. Yes, uh, describe that. So that grape is a Tinturier grape, meaning it's got a red skin, red pulp. So it's got this just incredibly concentrated color. Uh, when the grapes come off the vine, you can peel the skin back. It looks like a blueberry. It's so dark, and um again it bud breaks about two weeks later than everything else so typically we're out of that danger zone for late spring freeze and um it's just makes a stunning wine
0: yeah, and and th- that is one of the many, the myriad of port grapes, uh, right. right? So coming from the Doro River Valley, and uh, and the, there's that those grapes are finding homes in Texas as well. I see Toriga Nacional, Toriga, for sure. um, Tintacau. Toriga Franca, Tintacau. Tintacau, Um and then Tempranillo is planted in the port in the Doro River Valley
1: as well. Ron, are you? Of a plan with
0: any of these Portuguese
1: yeah, pork yeah. grapes <clears throat> We have Tariga Nacional planted at a, a little standalone vineyard we have out uh, near Round Mountain uh, We had our first harvest last year and we loved it we used to work with another vineyard in Round Mountain back in the uh, uh, that Doug Lewis, back in the you know, early days that Doug Lewis now makes the one there from Round Mountain Vineyard and we love lovetariga. Uh, we are hoping to to make a port out of it one of these days. If not, we're, the the still wine we made of it this year is delicious. And 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 you'll so you'll keep on doing that. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a. Great and is spot. it just a, a tiny tiny quantity? Yeah, or? It's, a, it's about we probably pull off. Of, it's about two acres, probably about five five tons. A little, little 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 more than five tons at full production. So what is that? so the, and then how how many you know cases? Two hundred and fifty cases probably. 250 yeah. cases. Two hundred and fifty cases. Okay. Yeah, somewhere around that.
0: Okay, cool. Um, wow, well, uh, you know, there's so many um, so many grapes to discover, and that, that's really what's exciting here, right? Um, do you ever get folks coming into the winery and say, you know, hey, what, what have I never had before? Sure. You know, yeah, just yeah, wanting discover. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's been the real fun kind of the shift over the last few years that I've seen when people have kind of decided like, oh, we can make good wine in Texas, and now they'll come out just to see what you're doing and what you're trying. And it, it's, it, it's, you can, I've always said that the consumers going to the hill country, have it, have it really great because they can go to four wineries, three wineries and taste 20 different varietals right. depending upon where they go and all kinds of, or you can taste 20 different Tempranillos and see everybody else's different expression of Tempranillo and how they, how they made it, whether it came from the hill country or the high plains or somewhere else in the state and all kinds of different distinctions within
2: yeah
0: absolutely it's really exciting what we have going on um uh if you're just tuning in this is another bottle down we talk about wine and the wine industry we're celebrating the start to the 2018 harvest which uh is happening in in texas here in the in the hill country started a few days ago and we'll be going for the next several weeks and then later on um starting in the high plains um and and we're talking with Ron Yates and Jennifer McGinnis. Ron is uh, from Spicewood Vineyards and Ron Yates Wines, and Jennifer McGinnis from Bending Branch. Um, what on the what on the whites? We talked about the exciting up and coming reds. I, I mean, Jennifer, you of course know uh, do Pick Pool, which is we've we've talked about that that light crisp. Expression. Um,
2: uh, another grape that we've planted is Petite saying, which we've not harvested yet. We just planted it this year. Uh, a, a grower planted it for us up in the high plains. Uh, tr- traditionally, it's a dessert wine, uh, so we're really interested to see how that turns out. You know, yeah. in a couple of years.
0: Another Southern French grape variety. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and that's that's kind of where you're you're so focused more so on red wines at yeah, the winery, Yeah, we right?
2: we're we're mainly a big red house.
0: Yeah. What,
1: uh, Ron, you said Albarino is one yeah, of your... Albarino is one of my, my favorite white wines, especially for my, my time spent in Spain. Uh, but we really, Sauvignon Blanc and Viognier are kind of our, our mainstays. We do a little bit of uh, some Vermentino, like I said, just because we we love what it does in the state. I actually, I've, I've, I've been to many of those Texas versus the world tastings and have preferred the, the Texas versions to the Italian versions of Vermentino. Yeah. Uh, But I'm biased. (laughs) Um, You can pick it out of the lineup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, That's the we've. That's that's probably probably where we're at with with some. Are you tempted? Are
0: either of you tempted to do anything with um, uh, Blanc de Bois, which is a, a, a kind of a native? It's a it's a hybrid. Uh, Great variety from the south part of the United States, and is uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It just has searing acidity. It's almost like you know what you want to be uh, those northern Spanish uh, white wines that just have you know crazy acidity. But um, any temptations there? No, no I mean,
1: <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of a lot of producers making really cool things with with blanc de bois that, that I knocking it out of the park but, yeah, and you know, we just have not been drinking. Well
0: you have to you know you have to pick and choose your yeah. battles, right? right?
1: White wine's tough because you know you you that uh, if you can you can get really lost and have fun because I love drinking white wine and making white wine but you can get down the road and and you've made all this white wine and everybody just wants to drink red wine.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> and also there's a little bit more of a shelf life sure. with white For wine. For sure. Right? The
2: reds can age and and transform over time which is great but the whites yeah there's a time yeah time if stamp. you
0: don't if you don't drink them within a couple of years and then there's stress there to oh this hasn't been selling am i gonna have to dump it down the drain right <laughs> um i'm sure that 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 is not the situation um <laughs> <laughs> well we've got you know both of you all have uh tasting rooms and whatnot and i've, I've seen that there's been a lot of um you know in the press recently Uh, A lot of Texas tasting rooms are doing amazing things. USA Today has uh, run this uh, competition, right? Jennifer, do you want to tell us about that?
2: So USA Today um, has nominated, uh, there's voting going on right now, I think, through August 20th. 20th. It's mid-August. And so uh, Bending Branch Winery, Spicewood Vineyards, and Brennan Vineyards, so three of our Texas fine wineries are in the running for best winery, uh, tasting And this winery, is, this tasting, is room.
0: tasting rooms that are all across the United States, right? right? I so you saw get some them. heavy
1: hitters. Schramsberg is in there. Or Arista. I mean, there's some... There's some, some, some he- heavy some, hitters some, there. Yeah.
0: So so voting is open and I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, usatoday.com. Um, Go to our Texas Fine Wine. Or Texas Fine Wine. Is there a link? Dot com. So texasfinewine.com
1: to check out more information about and that.
2: You can vote every day.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the Hill Country is also up for uh, best uh, uh, wine... Area, I guess I can't remember wine region. Yeah, yeah, region, best yeah. best
0: uh, uh, wine touring region. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, and, right. That, that, and and you know we have this such a treasure um, that we have here on our doorstep. Whereas a lot of re- you know, I know that Washington State, it's a little bit more challenging because you have to drive you know so far. So far yeah. You know, Napa Valley. Um, if Napa Valley wasn't so close to San Francisco, it might not be as acclaimed as as it you know as it is now. And so we we're kind of just seeing that. Do you see a lot of people? from out of town just you know coming oh, yeah. in from, sure. from yeah. New York yeah. What, what percentage? Get, I
1: mean, I, it's hard. It's really hard to say. Uh, you get such a good percentage of San Antonio and Austin people just because it's so close. And
2: we get a lot of Houston. Yeah. In and then
1: Houston, on the, for us, on on Houston and Dallas on the weekends and and, and during the summer on the weeks they, down too. So we have four major metropolitan areas to, to pull from. And so you see a lot of the Texas tourism, but you also see, I'd you know, maybe 60, 40 from out-of-state visitors as well that are passing through. that are And you know, we were staying in Austin and we totally had to come out here. Or we were in San Antonio over the week, and so we got sent this way. And so. Oh, that's
0: very cool. Yeah, and um, and then with that, hopefully, our industry will grow to supply wines to other. Uh, do you see that happening more? That we're distributing wines in other states and whatnot. Um, I, I know that it's growing. Right? Yeah,
2: it's growing, and I think that day will come. Um, Right now, you know, Texans are really proud and they tend to drink everything before it leaves the state. So (laughs) uh, it's been a challenge to really communicate the message outside of the state that we are making great wine here in Texas uh, because our distribution is is pretty much limited to within the state right now. Although we, Bending Branch ships to um, quite a few states. I know Brennan does as well and uh, Pettinellis and Dukeman, I'm sure. Um, So.
0: Yeah. And there's, you know, I mean, there's there's a a, a difficulty or rather a, a big decision that you have to make, whether you want to have a lot more wine consumed, you know, in your tasting room or if you want to explore other markets, because it takes time and money to forge other markets. Oh, for right? sure. You've sure got to have yes. a
2: distributor in each state, and then that means you've got to send somebody to go work those markets several times a year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then meanwhile, you know, you could be just putting more time into events and whatnot at the at the uh, at the winery. What do you guys have? Um, you know, do you have events occasionally at the winery? I know, uh, sure. Ron, you put up, you you did um, this uh, you know, this new building that you added to yeah. to Ron Yates, right? How's that going?
1: Yeah. Well, we have we at Yates we have the the winery built. We built a six thousand square foot state of the art winemaking facility, and we just opened our our tasting room. Uh, about oh, I guess shouldn't say just. I guess it's been nice a year now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it feels like it's just I opened it up. At, uh, and then we've got a couple other little projects that we're working on. The uh, we'll eventually build a a big proper tasting room that has some underground, um, banquet rooms and some storage and big, big, uh, big open, uh, yeah, ceilings kind of as, a, as like a wedding as, yep. as a, as a big, yeah, venue. we, we, at Spicewood, we have, at Spicewood we have, Spicewood. we do a whole bunch of weddings. We do, we have a great venue we built that overlooks our 32 acres of grapes and 120 year old oak trees. So we, we do a lot of out there. I just haven't, haven't gotten around to setting it up at the new place yet. Well,
2: I would say both of our wineries just had big events this past weekend. Oh, yeah. I know Ron had a big barbecue cook off and he he has a big chili cook-off every year at Spicewood. And uh Bending Ranch, we just had a concert, a blues concert, on Saturday night. We've got our big Kentucky Derby party for Saturday in May. And then together, as Texas Fine Wine, we do a dinner. Uh, the five wineries do a dinner together in October, uh, which this year will be at Spicewood Vineyards on October nineteenth is that the Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. um, Friday. Friday, sorry. Friday. Friday.
0: So that I mean, that's really cool. That as as a group, the Texas Fine Wine. Group can can do these uh, events that showcase the different angles of the industry, Um, and and you know I just love how uh, how you know Texas wine and and barbecue and real Texas food can can come together. You know it's kind of like you know they they might have to stretch in California for this, but you know throwing a cook-off and a barbecue and chili and it just works out really well. Just works. Yeah. (laughs) Well, hey, we've got we got to take one last short break and then we'll be back with some final thoughts. We're talking with, with Jennifer McGinnis from Bending Branch and Ron Yates from Spicewood Vineyards and Ron Yates Wine. So stay tuned and we'll be uh, right back. My name is Mark Rayshap, and this is Another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio. We're back. Um, this is Thank you so much for tuning in on this blazing hot uh, summer day. We're uh, kicking off the 2018 harvest here. Uh, we'll be talking with winemakers and, uh, and, and phoning in to folks in the vineyards, uh, trying to stay on top of The harvest both here in Texas and then eventually uh, out in California and Washington State and Oregon uh, as we um, explore the most exciting time of the year in the wine industry. Uh, It's been a real pleasure to be talking this hour with Ron Yates from Spicewood Vineyards and Ron Yates Wines and Jennifer McGinnis from Bending Branch and they are part of the Texas Fine Wine group um, that also includes um, Brennan Vineyards, Dukeman, uh, Dukeman Family Winery in Driftwood and Perdinalis and Stonewall and um, so you know, you, you know we've talked about how the quality of Texas wine is increasing, the, the diversity of grapes is, is also increasing as well um, the, the public who wants to go out to, to wine country and explore the tasting rooms out in the hill country that's booming as well um, how, you know, is the restaurant scene out there in the, in, in, in this, um, you know, in, in, this basically this tourist Mecca, how is that, that doing? Is it booming? Are you kind of hoping for more stuff? And, and then, um, yeah, Jennifer, you know, I, I've not been to, to the winery, so I'm, I'm quite ashamed of that, but we'll make it happen sometime. Yeah. Come see
2: us, <laughs> um, Mark. There are certainly some some great supporters of Texas wine in, in terms of the market and the restaurant industry here uh, here in Austin. a has an all-Texas wine list, and they've been fantastic. I think they've got all of the Texas fine wine uh, wineries involved there. And then uh, Cabernet Grill, which is in Fredericksburg, just got a top wine restaurant by... Um, Wine, wine enthusiast. enthusiasts, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Top 100. So that's wine a big, and they've had they've been committed to an all Texas wine list for years and years. I think they might have been among the first right, to do right, that. Right, right,
0: right. The wine enthusiasts ran a, um, a, a an article on the top 100 restaurant wine lists across the uh, across the country, and then it was really it's really an awesome thing that yeah. all Texas uh, wine list restaurant could make that list, right? Sure. Yeah.
2: Um, you know, but we'd obviously like to see more of that. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not saying you know, encouraging, restaurants to have an all-texas wine list but you know there are a lot of restaurants out there that talk about how how local you know they source everything locally as much as possible and that's great we love that but then you look at the wine list and there's no texas wine so yeah i would encourage a little more of that how do you
0: do you find that why do you why do you think that is i mean is it is it that um Is it that exploring the the best of the best Texas wine takes a little bit of work or is that there's, you know, there's less in distribution or, you know, what are the reasons for that? And and I'm sure that it's going to change when the, uh, you know, the consumer uh, perspective changes as well.
1: I think right now a, a big thing is that the ma- a majority of the of the really good wines that wineries are making are are being sold in their tasting room to make a hundred percent of the, of mm-hmm. the money on it. But yeah, I, th- I really think you're seeing it both sides. You're seeing wineries now specifically making wines with the intent to distribute and making good quality wines with the intent to distribute. And I think you're seeing uh, Somalis at least coming around and being a little more open to the idea. And I think that really it's the 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 main term is that you're. you're you're finally starting to see some acceptance from the cu- from the consumer from the customer you know the the the, the vision of oh if it's from texas and it must be bad is is really starting to change and i think that's the the biggest key for everybody is to keep pushing that button because as soon as the consumers are asking more for texas wines the sommeliers are going to be trying to put them on the list more so.
0: Well, I think you also make a really good point about uh, about you know making something for their wine club only. Say you have this this killer wine. Instead, you know it might be okay. Well, I'm going to offer it to the wine club, but I also want to make sure that my top ten restaurants get you know their little allocation. Are you thinking more about doing that as, yep. as wineries and we're operations?
1: Certainly, we're certainly moving that way. With you know, we're constantly thinking of other ways to increase revenue streams and, uh, and, and really to get out there just to be, to be present. You know, we still, I still come across people on a daily basis. They go, you make wine in Texas yeah. right. and you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's a marathon and not a sprint kind of attitude because it's, well, how many wineries are we up to now? I mean, we're over, 400, over 400, permits, 400 permits, but it's probably 350 yeah. somewhere around in that
0: around 350 mm-hmm. and um and the reason that is is uh well we're not going to get into that debate <laughs> yeah we don't have but, enough time yeah and then and then you know you have small you know where would you say that most the vast majority of wineries are in terms of size i mean you know jennifer you kind of are on the larger side of you know a boutique artisan right is is um right what's the magic number
2: yeah you know what is the magic number? That is the question. Yeah. I would say a majority of the the wineries still are in the very small two thousand to five thousand, 10,000 at the most, case production. Uh, there are certainly um, you know ten or so out there that are large large production, but we're, we're still pretty small.
1: Yeah. i would vintage most, most people are small boutique to, to, to small medium, right? You know, 5,000 cases is a, is a big production level for a lot of a lot of the wineries in the state. A lot of wineries and, and, you know and that that's good in
0: a lot of ways where you can just be selling your wine in the tasting room but then it's also a little bit hard because you know you you're if you're not getting out there by having it in bottle shops and restaurants then that's um that's a difficulty there too guys we've run out of time this has been an awesome hour thank you so much for being here Thanks jennifer you for having us. ron yates thank you guys um good luck with harvest it's such a an intense time and, uh, and, and things always come up, so you have to be on your toes. And I wish you the best and make some amazing wine in 2018, so we'll get to enjoy it a couple years from now. Right. <laughs> Thank you very Thanks, much. Jennifer McGinnis from Bending Branch and Ron Yates from Spicewood Vineyards and Ron Yates Wines. Uh, stay tuned for the People's Republic of Austin. And, uh, and, and we'll see you next week with some more spirited discussions about wine and the wine industry. Have a wonderful week. Stay cool and hydrated out there. We'll see you next week.